Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. This is Pastor Julie Lewis, and it is Easter Sunday morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We will be reading from the Gospel of Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guard shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has been raised as he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said greetings, and they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, where they will see me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Something happened on July 20th, 1969. Anyone remember what that was? Famous words were spoken. That's one small step for men, one giant leap for mankind. Neil Armstrong spoke these words once he stepped down onto the surface of the moon, the first time human beings had been there. Some of you here were probably watching it on TV. Nearly 600 million people around the world were watching. It kind of brought the world together for a few minutes in time. It was one of those moments that something that was previously thought impossible was actually happening right before our eyes. But was it? Theories have circulated ever since that it was a big lie, a conspiracy, that it didn't really happen. There was just a hoax, and the whole thing was filmed on a movie set to trick us all. And they had reasonable explanations for why they believed it was a hoax. In some of the pictures, the shadows weren't parallel, so there had to be multiple light sources and not just one sun. If there was no one else on the moon, how did someone film Neil Armstrong coming down the ladder? In some of the pictures, there were no other stars in the background, and since there was nothing there to hide them, there should have been stars. And then there's the one about the American flag. In the picture, it was waving, and since there's no wind on the moon, it's impossible for it to wave. And even though there are good scientific explanations for each of these challenges, please look them up if you have questions. There are still some who will never believe. We're funny creatures. We human beings, aren't we? We have a hard time believing anything without absolute proof. And even then, we might still choose to ignore the truth and believe something else. While no one likes to be seen as foolish or to be fooled. 
So we tend to be careful, examine the facts, make up our own mind. And that's what we do with the question of Jesus too, right? No one can come to faith in Christ without examining the facts, looking deeply into who and what Jesus was and coming to a decision on our own. John Wesley taught and strongly believed that our knowledge and understanding of God comes through what is now known as the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Yeah, I know, it's too early for those big words, but bear with me. He says there are four elements to our faith in God. The first comes through scripture, reading and studying God's word. The three other sides include tradition, meaning the tradition handed down through the church, experience, or how we have personally experienced God, and the last but not least is reason. God gave us a mind that can reason, can think, and explore, so God must intend for us to use it and not be hoaxed into believing something just because someone says so. So if God gave us this ability and expects us to use it, then there is nothing sinful or bad about looking for the truth about God and what God has done in Jesus Christ. We are created that way, so please feel free to use those brilliant minds we have been given to ask questions and delve into what really happened that first Easter morning. Because unlike questioning whether people have actually walked on the moon, what we believe about the resurrection is a matter of paramount importance to how we live our lives, how we find meaning and purpose, and what we come to believe impacts the world. As we proclaim the resurrection this morning, can we listen with our hearts as well as our minds and come a bit closer to what we actually believe about this man, Jesus, that we confess as our Savior, God, yet human, who walked the earth, lived and loved to give us life? I'm not going to try to convince anyone of anything this morning. St. Thomas Aquinas once said to one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. To one without faith, no explanation is possible. Only you know why you are here and what you believe, and I am grateful that you are here. Praise God, it means you do believe, or at least you haven't give up, given up yet on your faith. This Easter morning, I will lay out the story as written in Scripture, talk about what I believe and why, and pray that each of us is open to receive what the Spirit wishes to give. This beautiful story is the only one that can give our lives meaning and purpose, give us hope for a better future, and a peace that passes all understanding. The only one that can change us for the better to make us whole and give us life, and that can overcome all the evil and brokenness in this world. So let's dig in. All four Gospels tell the resurrection story in a different way, and this morning we will focus on the one in the Gospel of Matthew. It was Friday evening when Jesus died, and Joseph of Arimathea took his body and buried him in his own unused tomb. In Matthew's account, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, which no one quite knows who that is, were watching, watching Joseph as he buried Jesus. 
and rolled a great stone over the door of the tomb. They usually were in a track, but once in place, they were almost impossible to move. On Saturday, the chief priests went to Pilate and had him put a seal on the tomb and keep it under guard for the three days after his burial so the disciples couldn't come and deceive everyone. Kind of their version of the moon landing in a movie studio conspiracy theory. Oh, look, he's risen from the dead, just like he said. Even though no one knows where he is now, he must have gone up to heaven or is wandering the countryside waiting to make a big entrance. No conspiracy theories here. So he sealed the tomb and put guards at the entrance. Our passage this morning tells us that after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now remember what has happened. They were there when Jesus was put in the tomb. Pilate put guards and a seal on the tomb in the meantime, and the guards were still there when they arrived. And then there's an earthquake, seemingly caused by an angel of the Lord coming down, rolling the stone away and just sitting there on top of it. The guards are so shaken up, get it, shaken up, that they fall down like dead men. The angel tells the women not to be afraid, and since they don't fall down like the guards, I guess they aren't that afraid. And like a mind reader, he tells them he knows they've come to see Jesus, the one who was crucified, but he's not here. He has been raised, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. So let's make a few points before we move on. The women in Matthew's account have not come to anoint his body. They have not come crying and weeping. They haven't asked who was going to move the stone so they could get in. They came to see Jesus, the one who was crucified. They watched him die. They watched him be buried. And now they want to know if what he said was true, that on the third day, he would rise from the dead. Now, at this point, they don't have any tangible proof that Jesus has risen from the dead, only the word of the angel and an empty tomb. His body, dead or alive, is not there. In none of the accounts of the resurrection in the Gospels is there a human witness to Christ's actual resurrection. No one saw his body come alive after being dead. I also want to point out that when the angel came down and rolled the stone away, Jesus was already gone. It wasn't moved to let him out. But for human witnesses to see that he wasn't there. How did the resurrection happen? It's a mystery. And I doubt we'll ever really understand, at least not in this lifetime. Then the women are called to take a message to the disciples, a message from Jesus himself. Tell them he has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. And off they go with great fear and joy. Why fear? Well, maybe because it's hard not to be afraid after all the trauma they've experienced over the last few days. Maybe it's fear of what will happen next. But the joy I suspect the joy comes from knowing that all he said was true. 
He did rise from the dead. He's alive. These women believed. They paid attention and remembered. In faith, they had come to the tomb to see it all happen. And their faith was rewarded as Jesus appears in the flesh right in front of them. They fall down and hold on to his feet as if somehow proving to themselves that it's all real, that he's real. Then not able to contain their joy, they run to the disciples and are the first to share the good news. Who says women aren't called to give messages from God? Many people see the physical Jesus after these women. The disciples see him. The pilgrims on the way to Emmaus see him. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that over 500 people saw him at one time. So there are many witnesses to the fact that Jesus Christ was dead and three days later was walking on the earth alive and well. But we have to ask why Paul needed to say that. He was speaking to the church in Corinth that was founded on faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Well, who would believe Jesus was the Messiah if they didn't believe first and foremost in the resurrection? Well, we know, don't we? We're human. They began to doubt. They wanted rock-solid proof. It sounded so outlandish to think that someone could rise from the dead or today walk on the moon. Maybe if they could see him. Maybe if we could step on the moon ourselves, then all would be well. But that's not how it works. Not how God wants it to work. The women at the tomb that first Easter morning couldn't actually testify that Jesus was resurrected. If that meant being a witness to his actual resurrection, no one saw it. So how could they proclaim that he was? Back to the Wesleyan quadrilateral. They knew scripture. Throughout the Bible, God and the prophets spoke of all that would happen when the Messiah came. Jesus fulfilled every prophecy. They didn't really have tradition yet, but their time with Jesus had taught them that he was who he said he was, and they had faith. They used their reason. They looked at the tomb, saw and listened to the angel, and came to the conclusion that Jesus wasn't there. But it was their experience of Jesus that was the most important element in the end. Their experience changed everything. They saw and touched the risen Christ and knew the hope and joy of being with him, walking with him, and knowing that his way was the way to life. Their experience of the risen Christ is what caused them to run and share the good news. This experience is what has changed the world ever since. As Jesus left the disciples and ascended into heaven, he told them that he would be with us always through the Spirit. That same Spirit gave birth to creation, parted the Red Sea, led the Israelites through the wilderness to the Promised Land, gave wisdom to Solomon, impregnated a young girl who gave birth to Jesus, the Son of God, fully human and fully divine, empowered Jesus to do his ministry on earth, stayed with him at the cross, and then gave life to his physical body, conquering death. The same spirit is with us. 
and gives us the ability to experience the risen Christ in the world around us and within us every day. And because of it all, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience, I have seen the risen Christ and I believe I don't need to see the physical Jesus because I experience Christ in me as the spirit of Christ has changed me and has walked with me through every challenge of my life. I see Christ in the people who claim him as their risen Lord. As we love our neighbors, love our enemies, stand up for the oppressed, care for the poor and needy, visit the sick and in prison, worship together, forgive one another, walk in the way of Christ together. I see Jesus. And every time I see a heart or life changed in the name of Christ, I know that I have experienced the risen Christ at work in the world. My experience of Christ reinforces what I believe about God and his amazing love for each one of us. I believe in a God who loves each of us unconditionally and never leaves us or forsakes us for any reason. I believe in a God who works all things in this life for good, no matter how terrible things may seem. I believe in a God who gave life to the body of Jesus to show us that he has conquered death and that to have faith in what we were not able to see with our own eyes, to have faith in a resurrected Christ gives us eternal life. I believe there is a future and a hope for us all. One without death and suffering, without pain and sorrow. And if we need proof, Just look around and see the new life that is springing up all around us. When we serve one another in love, we see the new Christ, the life he has given us at work in the world. The tomb is empty. Death is no longer calling the shots. There's no conspiracy. There's no hoax, just abundant, unending love. And all that's required to grab hold of this new life, our salvation, is to believe. We are all one in Christ. If we want to overcome death, to claim his gift of new life, to live with joy instead of sorrow, we can see the empty tomb and know that our Redeemer lives. Then look around and see him. See the risen Christ. See him at work in the hearts of the people who follow him. See him at work in the world, moving all things to a beautiful future. And then we can take our place in the body of Christ, letting the spirit fill us to overflowing with hope and joy. Let us move from death to life. Let us say this day and every day with all the world, Christ is risen. Christ is alive. Amen.